Good evening and welcome to the latest episode of the Online Warriors podcast. And uh, happy belated Labor Day to all of you. I hope none of you were laboring. Or if you were, I hope it was as pleasant labor. I don't know exactly what that would be. I guess it could be like a hobby. You know, yeah, we're working towards something positive. Like, that's very vague. But yeah, like like learning guitar. That's labor. But it's, it you know, it might, you know, get your juices flowing. I have no idea. Uh, I'm Lee Lady Six. I am joined by Nerd Bomber, who you just heard, and Tactic, who is lurking in the shadows. You have not yet heard him. Hello. He won't be speaking until, oh, he, he just he spoke right now. It was very quiet, but uh, you probably heard it. And the three of us are here, as always, to talk about all things nerd. Uh, we have to talk about the Wheel of Time today in the sense of the new Amazon trailer that we got for that. We have to talk about a new game called Project Magnum, which we just saw a really cool trailer for. And then we talk about my son, which you may be thinking, Illegal 86, is this year what are you up to? Did you do you now have a son? No. I don't, unless you count my dog, which some people might, but some people like some people get really irked with like, you know, people call each other like Fur like, babies. I would call you guys dog yeah, fur baby. I would call you guys dog parents, right? But I just saw a tweet like the other day that was like, No, the dog's parents are the dog's actual parents. And I was like, give me a break. See, I don't know. I, I do would you guys disagree though. Because like when you adopted them. Right. You adopted them. And like when you adopt a human, you become the human's parents. So I think if you take issue I'm gonna paint with a broad brush here. I think if you if you take issue with the phrase dog parent being used in relation to humans, like just take a deep breath for a second. Like it's gonna be all right. Like it's this is not the most important thing for you to be concerned about, I guess would be the main thing that I would have to say. I mean, if I was trying Maybe to like some- enroll my dog in people's school, insisting that he was my son, then I could get it. Like I'm taking it a little too far. But let me just call myself right. a dog parent in peace. Yeah. But- no argument for babies you know i have no issue with any of that and that's not what we're here to talk about today but my son is actually a movie and we'll get into what is specifically special about that movie a little bit later on first of all you know before we move into the news this week i promised tactic that i would do this on the show and potentially embarrass him although i'm not sure tactic are you capable of being embarrassed yes is that but not with this topic this one i am passionate about so go ahead okay yeah, he's, spoiler alert, he's passionate about this. I guess it's, it's really a form of a question. We could put a Twitter poll out or something, but it's better to do it on the episode, you know, to the listeners. Do you think that light-up sneakers, well, no, I should be less specific, light-up shoes for adults, do you, like, they where exist, do you see that but going? they're just not popular, and I'm saying, folks, we need to make them trendy. They exist. I they didn't do. even know they existed. Yeah, you it's like weird third-party sellers, though, like, not the, like, super popular brands. Like Amazon and like you don't recognize the brand name, but they look okay. So you just hit order. Right. I think I what I'm saying to you, if you can't tell, is you should order some. Like, I think that would be a, an interesting like human experiment that would grant more more data to to this question of like, you should wear light up shoes for a week and see A, who notices. Probably a lot of people would notice. But like B, what kind of reaction do you get? Because my what i was saying before detective my main theory is that the main reason that kids want light up sneakers because i did and every kid does uh is to impress the kids in the schoolyard or impress their friends because light up sneakers are cool are adults going to be impressed by light up sneakers i don't yes i, I wouldn't be impressed i don't know I, I i don't know if i'd be impressed i'd be like wow like I, it's weird like i would i would maybe want to have a conversation with you i'd be like hey what happened here you know or like walk me through this I see you have light up sneakers. Can you just explain that a little more? But like, I don't know. I will gladly that's not walk them through that with my light up sneakers. See what I did there? <laughs> I did. I do. Yeah. Uh, Nerd Bomber, where do you fall on this? Let's, let's flip the script a little bit or change the question slightly. Um, if you, if you, let's hypothetically say you had a husband who wore light up sneakers uh, oh, and you were out on, you were out on the town with him. What's, are you embarrassed? Are you capable of embarrassment? Let me I mean, preface with this isn't a high-end venue. This would be like if we're at, at bars and stuff. You're bowling. No, you're bowling. I mean, 100%. bowling, well, no, bowling, you, you would fit in. Because like bowling like, is, midnight bowling is all sorts of neon lights and fun stuff like that. So that would be just like plus, well-dressed for the occasion. And it, will, it wouldn't work because you can't wear the shoes because you have to wear bowling shoes. So, Light up yeah, bowling out, shoes. Like the, Why is that not a thing a, for midnight bowling? 
that sh- okay that should be a thing let's find some common ground that should be a thing 100 percent. B- but okay so you're out of let's yeah let's set the scene you're at are you at a bar in this scenario that i've invented for us sure and i guarantee you okay. people will love them people will be like oh my god that's so cool and you'll be like yeah there's like a drunk factor i think i would be embarrassed to start but then when everybody else starts to get a little bit schnookered you know, then people will be like, oh, my yeah. God, it's the light up shoes guy. And then it's, it's called it's peacocking. <laughs> it's literally called peacocking. Yeah. I, OK, you, you might. You know what? You may be turning me on this a little bit, but I want to know. Yeah. At OW86, at OW Tactic, at OW Nerd Bomber, at Online Warriors 1, our show account on Twitter, should light up shoes for adults. I was going to say, should they come back? They never really existed. Should that be a thing? Should that be a mainstream thing? You know? Yeah. It's like it's the kind of thing that like like Reebok and Nike, you, know, you might have a hard time with them. But like Kanye, he's putting out shoes now. That seems like right up his street. Like why is he not doing that? You know? I guess I don't really know what's up Kanye's street these days. He just came out with a new album. Donda. I have not listened to it. That's not what this podcast is about, but he he that did happen. Him and Drake. Drake also just came out with a new I don't even listen to hip hop. Uh but I just, you know, I hear things. Let's talk about the Wheel of Time. Uh, that's much more up my street. So the Wheel of Time, for those that are not aware, uh, is originally a series of books that is very long. I don't even know how many books are in the series, but it's been going on since like the 80s, I think. I can do some quick Googling here to find that out. But the what we're talking about today is on November 19th, 2021, Amazon is releasing a TV series, or I guess the first eight episodes of a TV series uh, based on the wheel of time. And we got a trailer for that this past week. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking about Epic fantasy here to give you a genre. I mean, this is, you know, painting with a broad brush for all intents and purposes, think game of Thrones, right? I think you're probably, you know, think game of Thrones, but like less, not less sexy. It's still sexy. I think, but like fewer dragons, less. more magic and less sex. Like, it's still sexy because, yeah. like, there's still, like, you know, but, like, there's not, like, I don't think there's going to be, like, what's, like, in Game of Thrones from, like, a, a lot of the plot just happens, like, in a, you know, um, brothel or whatever. I don't think that's what's going on here. I could be wrong. But um, this is very, it seems very witch forward. Like, a lot of witch stuff happening. I'm very into it. I'm very into it. Uh, I'm a big Rosamund Pike fan. If you see, if you haven't seen Gone Girl, go watch it because she's phenomenal in that movie. She's also in Jack Reacher, which is a good movie. But um, she appears to be taking the lead here in terms of being a very, very powerful sorceress. Main character? No, I don't think so. But like, kind of like a Gandalf situation to kind of put it in the context of another fantasy series, beloved by many. Um, I don't know. What are you guys thinking about this one? Is this is this a watch for you? Is this a? I'm not sure. Is this a? I hate it. I I doubt that. But. I'm always torn on stuff like this. So I have a problem where this is one of those books. I'm a big sci-fi and fantasy reader. People who listen to this podcast for the last four or five years that we've been doing it know like that's my main genre. And somehow the Wheel of Time has just always been too daunting because there's so many books. I think it's like 14 or 15. And I've just never gotten around to it because I feel like once I start a series, I need to read them all back to back to back, especially since they're all out and I'm not like waiting. And that's just a lot of commitment. So I don't. I, I haven't read it. Yeah. But I'm going to want to read it before I watch a TV show about it because any adaptation, if I see the movie or the show before I read the book, I will never go and read the book. Uh, 14 books. Yeah. Uh, four, a lot. 14 volumes in addition to a prequel novel and two companion books. I don't know what that means. First one came out in 1990, and I don't know when the other ones came out. I'm still looking into that. I'll get back to you. But yeah, it's a it's it's a lengthy deal. Uh, but like, let's see. This seems like it would be... when the last one came out. This would be up my alley for sure. I struggle to see if this will like manage to garner the hype that Game of Thrones did. I think this, in the fantasy realm at least, this is obviously a more storied franchise because it's been around for so long and has been so prolific, especially compared to Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones is great and there's a lot of books, but not nearly as many and it's not a finished series. But I don't know why I have a hard time seeing anything really capture that magic that Game of Thrones did. I think there's a lightning in a bottle effect that Game of Thrones managed to snatch up and nothing else since then has really gathered that like 
massive following where people even outside of the genre, people yeah. who didn't like fantasy novels and had no interest, they got really involved in Game of Thrones. And like The Witcher is a good mm -hmm. example of that where, you know, it was a Netflix adaptation that people who are fans of The Witcher really loved and people who maybe just showed up I because there was a hunky yeah. actor showed up like Henry Cavill, like, you know, but I don't think that managed to become a cultural zeitgeist like Netflix hoped. And I just, I have a yeah. hard time seeing this hit that home run. I don't know why. It's it's definitely worth delving into. I, I mean, you know, Game of Thrones had a couple things. Th there's common elements here. Like Wheel of Time in the trailer too. It very much hints at some kind of mystical, otherworldly enemy that they're all going to have to fight at some point, right? Which I I haven't watched all of Game of Thrones or read all of it, but it's that's what I think the White Walkers are, right? It's it seems like there's a lot of characters that are interconnected. I, I'm inferring this from our trailer; it's like two minutes long, so you know, sue me if I'm wrong. But I even I you know I even want to read <laughs> some of the titles of the books, which sound like Game of Thrones books. A Crown of Swords, The Path of The Path of Daggers, The Gathering Storm. These just sound like Game of Thrones books. Like A Storm of Swords and A Crown of Swords, it's literally like one word different. I imagine in a lot of ways they're very similar, but I think Game of Thrones, you know, there's a couple things you could say about why it was so successful. It came relatively off the heels of Lord of the Rings, which was a big deal, and in a, in a, in a movie sense, did a lot of the things that Game of Thrones managed to do on television, which is gather people who weren't fantasy fans into that genre for at least a limited amount of time. And Game of Thrones kind of rode those coattails until it got its hooks in in terms of getting people invested in the characters. See, and the, that the, may have been what drove it to be successful. Yeah, go ahead. That's why I think, I think you said something incorrect there. And why I think Game of Thrones was so successful is because you never really knew what was going to happen. Because like you said, people fell in love yeah. with the characters and those same characters that they fell in love with got killed the next episode yeah. so it, it became this this unpredictable things for those that um that didn't read the books and that's sort of what made it this this phenomena in my opinion and that's why going back yeah. to this one not reading the books or anything and, I, and i'm not going to it takes me seven months to read a chapter with this one the special effects i thought just didn't look great enough to pull me and i thought they looked kind of weirdly gimmicky um and then the other thing is this is a wait and see for me, which is okay. exactly what I did with Game of Thrones. I didn't watch it day one. I waited to kind of see what the hype was and, and feel it out. And then at that yeah. point, I said, okay, this is this is worth the the hour, hour and a half episode sit down through the whole season and really invest that time commitment. So I'm not a day one watch, see, but maybe, maybe it might turn me later on. There are two things I here, too. So... One, going back to Game of Thrones a little bit, like you look at the time when that came out and I think streaming services have kind of killed and maybe this is wrong because stuff like you and Tiger King came out and obviously were like super popular, but something about streaming came out and you don't really get that like massive weekly, everybody must watch this show. And maybe that's why you see stuff right. like Apple TV plus with Ted Lasso, like going back to that weekly format. But when Game of Thrones mm -hmm. came out, like people actually subscribed to HBO through their cable provider because that was a big way you could watch yeah. movies. You couldn't stream movies as easily back then. And now everybody's spread out across so many different streaming services. I will say, though, Amazon has a decent track record with their TV shows. And, you know, they have some pretty successful runs of shows. I'm thinking like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Fleabag won a bunch of stuff. And obviously those are more like comedy shows, but still. There was that show that I watched, and I can't remember the name of it. I'm Googling it right now. I think it was called Undone. Yes, Undone on Amazon. Also very, very good. I'm sure I shouted out on the podcast at one point. I, you know, I, I think the biggest thing this that Wheel of Time could do wrong and what it looks like it might do based on the trailer is go into, like, YA category, like YA territory, and I don't, I don't think that's a good thing for it to do. I think Game of Thrones took itself very seriously, and that's why people responded to it. I think you're totally right, too, about this element of, you know, making it appointment television where every Sunday you had to show up and watch it or you're going to look like an idiot the next day. I love hate relationship with that because when I want to binge a show, I want everything. But there's a definite magic to sitting down and watching Ted Lasso every week. Like it's it is it's it's, it's an interesting dichotomy there. Game of Thrones, you know, 
Game of Thrones was a soap opera, but instead of like, in soap operas, no one ever dies, right? They get shot, but they don't die. In Game of Thrones, everybody died. Like that was kind of the magic of it. I think you're right, tactic. I don't know if it was also like the raunchiness of Game of Thrones that really, you know, what made it such a cultural touchstone is a little bit mysterious to us. And I think it's mysterious to everyone. And that's why, you know, Amazon's trying to figure it out. And they, they think that this is the way. Having a fantasy series of novels that's completed, for, first of all, which, you know, Game of Thrones did not. They have a full, you know, strong foundation of material to work off of. And that's that's going to help them. It's just a matter of how far they can take it. November 19th, 2021. I don't honestly don't know if, you know, for me, it might be a wait and see for me too. But I, I also fear like Game of Thrones was a wait and see for me. And then I waited and waited and, and waited. And I never well, you like, waited I started like hearing, this year, right? Yeah. I started hearing about people dying. And I was like, what's even the point now? I started reading the books. I fell off that train. I started watching the show, fell off that train too. Maybe it's just one of those things like Pokemon that I just like, I don't get it. I don't know. Like it was good. But I was watching it and reading it. It was very good. It's just, it's an, it's an undertaking. I actually think it's an undertaking when you're, it's, you can binge it. Don't get me wrong. People do binge it and it makes sense. I, w- I think I would get a lot more out of it if I watched one a week. I like watched it on its schedule. That might've been part of it. Like you said, might've been a big part of it, but Wheel of Time, uh, November 19th, 2021 has a lot of fans, this book series. So I'm sure some, some of our listeners are fans and they can feel free to spout off in the, in the Twitter sphere. Uh, Handle's already mentioned, you know, uh, what do you think of, of Amazon's rendition of this? They're going to throw the book at it in terms of production value. So you, there shouldn't be too much concern there. It's just a matter of what their vision is and how it matches the vision that was in everyone's imaginations when they read the books. And I'm sure we'll be hearing about that uh, this November. So that brings us to, uh, well, we're going to shift gears here, uh, shift gears into Project Magnum. Now, first of all, amazing name, the best name of any game and this, I think it's a working title. It's not even the official title. Uh, I wish it was because it's amazing. Project Magnum is a new looter shooter game that just got a trailer last week for the PS5 and the PS4 and the PC, it looks like. I'm going to read the description of the YouTube video here. So this is not my word. This is verbatim. Combines RPG play with third-person shooter combat. It presents beautiful visuals and attractive and unique characters based in a sci-fi style player versus environment worldview. It also provides exciting battles using various skills, actions, and guns, as well as the fun of high-quality PvE shooter battles that target huge bosses. Now, first of all, what does that sound like to you? Destiny. Outriders. Destiny. Uh, okay. I was I was thinking Destiny, same with Tactic. Uh, Outriders, I, I wouldn't know. It sounds like you would. I, I think Ben is a big fan of that game too, right? So, I don't know. We can talk about this trailer. Um, I think the most attractive single point to me, the grappling, the like grapple gun situation. I like, this is a weird connection to draw, but the Arkham games with the grapple gun, my God, it was amazing. I could do that all day. Uh, if that's anything like what this grapple mechanic is like, which it looks like it is, I'm into that. Uh, a lot of beautiful visuals, a lot of really cool gunplay. A lot of these big boss battles are featured in the trailer that, that they're talking about in the description. I'm hesitant and apprehensive about the RPG element. And in particular, the art style suggests, I think, suggests a JRPG kind of situation. And traditionally, I ain't about that life. So, you know, to use the same terminology as the last topic, this is a wait and see for me. But I'm curious to hear what you guys think of it. I didn't get JRPG vibes. I did get Outriders vibes with a grappling hook. Like, Tectic, we played the Outriders pretty extensively. And like, yeah, this environment looked a little bit more lush than the environments that we saw in Outriders. But a lot of the the feel, like the, the armors and stuff that they were wearing kind of gave like a it was like a post-apocalyptic-y, um, not quite Mad Max-y feel, but dystopian. dystopian, yeah, feel. I thought the armor still looked very Destiny-y yeah. to me, because there was even the one with, like, the full helmet when he yeah. peered up. The tight, the, what's, what's it called in Destiny? Titan? Titan helmet with the horns? That's yeah, I think I that thought. sounds Maybe right. Maybe of a different thing. And I I guess the question that I kind of want to pose to you guys, and what I've kind of been feeling lately, is I feel like we see genres come in waves. And I don't want to say this looks like another generic third-person looter shooter, but I feel like we we get these games where it comes in batches. So like Outriders and this 
kind of coming out within the same like one year time period, same general gist, like you're fighting massive space aliens, you look like you're kind of a space commando in the future with like third person gunplay. A few years ago, we got all of the more like realistic military, a lot of them were actually Tom Clancy games. And it just it feels like they come out in batches almost and like suddenly the the vampire genre or the zombie genre will come back and they all come in waves. And what I'm so curious about, I would love to be in like the planning room. Is there like some sort of like consumer study that tells all of the devs, hey, like this is due for revival. A time Pursue table. This. It's yeah. Just, it's just a, it's just a cycle. It's like a big spinning wheel, probably. That's a really good question because I agree that there are I mean, there's some things that are forever, right? Like first person shooters are forever. Like Call of Duty is going to come out with a new game every two years. It's just how it's going to be. But even within those games, like there's nuances of those. And like, like you said, like, you know, Outriders and Project Magnum looking very similar and coming out within a year of each other. Probably not a coincidence, right? There's probably some sort of focus group. We got to make it different. Add a grappling hook. (laughs) I was, I was just telling someone the other day about how, how dumb I think focus groups are. And that's a topic for another time. But like focus groups to me seem so arbitrary. And I'm sure this decision making process is not arbitrary. How they figure out, you know, what the next game is going to be or what the next like gaming hype is going to be. I mean, some, some of it is, you know, you have to figure it out as you like Fortnite. That wasn't they didn't spin a wheel for that. That was a re- legitimately new thing. That not really, though, because you someone, had PUBG. You know, PUBG Battlegrounds. Fortnite has the building part, though. Yeah, that's, that's fair. A fair point. The Battle Royale thing. Battle Royale was a new thing. The building, adding building on top of that was a new thing. Like, there's still room for innovation. That's not what I, don't, I think either of us are saying. But, like, the, the ebb and flow of certain genres is definitely interesting. I, I will say, I love PvE. I think PvE is one of my favorite, like, shooter style. And also, like, Destiny was, is first person, is it not? I, I haven't played in a long time. Destiny's yeah, Destiny. So that's is a little bit of a differentiation person. here. I don't know. This one just I, I, and when I said J, JRPG, I didn't mean. I just think the art style is much more. I don't even know. Like I don't want to say it looked like anime because that's not right. But like I think it's it just looked flashy. Like, yeah, it, it, it looked felt like, like Michael Fire Bay or something. Just made I don't know. The trailer. I didn't get that vibe at all. I, it for me the the art style looked like you took a little bit of the light up gear from Gears. You took the overall skeleton from uh, Destiny or Outriders, and then you took some of the bad guys from The Matrix. I enjoyed that. Those little those little octopi guys. Well, we, we need to talk about, too, those the giant glowing red balls in the sky. What's that about? Because re- that's a recurring thing in this trailer. And at the beginning, there's that big... It looks like it's a, it's a ball, but it's like made out of little... Those are aliens. Mirror, yeah, it's going to be like a hive mind thing. I, I'm calling right. that alien hive mind. We'll, get, we'll, we'll definitely get into that. It's I never mean, been like, done the other thing, before, so they should go with that. Looter shooters, you know, I we'll get into it when we do What Are You Up To Wednesday, but I recently was a... I thought about buying... You're going to laugh. I was like, maybe I should finally play The Division. Uh-huh. Or even like just get the division too. Like cut out the middleman. Just the division is such a, a tough sell for me right now. We tried playing this and it was like too, too real, too pandemic-y. It sound well. It I was like I was reading about it. Like should like because I was like I'm just gonna play this single player and like I know it's a very onliney game. I was like, is this? I was like looking on Reddit. Like is this even worth buying to play single player? And they were like the consensus consensus was like yeah it's great but be prepared to grind and like that's how Destiny was too. Destiny was like it's really fun but like if you want to like have the most fun there's like this pressure to like grind and i'm sorry that's just like not what i show up to do when i want when i show up to play games it's not grind it's like the last thing i want to do so i didn't wind up buying destiny i'll tell you what i wound up buying yes uh what i wound up buying later but that's another kind of roadblock here for me with project magnum is like looter shooters are very tough for me i love pve looter shooter is for me, looter shooters are what you do with friends. It's uh, alone; they're just not fun. See, I almost disagree a little bit, and this almost. this might be a personal thing, though. So, I get swept up in inventory management. Like, I don't know what yeah. happens to me. I just I go down rabbit holes. I'm constantly cleaning up my inventory. It's so easy to do in that game, though. And like in Destiny, that's like half the game is like. What weapons do I have? I have to drop something. Okay, I got to go figure out what to drop. Oh, God, there's so many options of what to drop. It's like, that becomes a big part of it. Right. I'm not saying that's bad. Some people love that. 
I like, mean, I, I enjoy it. And especially, I got over a hurdle like probably five, six years ago. I used to be that type of person who would like store weapons because I liked them too much and I was afraid of like using them or whatever. Or yeah. I used them, got a better one, but still kept it. And now I'm just like, yeah, sell that shit. Mm-hmm. But my problem is when I play with Tactic, I like to spend a little bit more time in my inventory than he does. So then we're in different rooms, obviously, because most of these games now you can't play couch co-op. So I'm like in our basement right. playing and I just hear him in the earpiece being like, are you done yet? We've been looking at inventory for like 10 minutes. Can you just hurry up? And so What's I feel so rushed. You're just describing my destiny experience. I, I used to play and, and tactic. You're totally right. Like it's, I had the most fun playing Destiny when I played with Firestorm 501, one of our previous podcast hosts who was super, super into Destiny, like like lost in that game, like super, super into it. And it was, first of all, it was fun to play with someone who knew what was going on because I had no idea. But it was just like, like you said, it was like, I was a big pulse rifle guy. I would get a pulse rifle that I loved and then I would get a slightly better one, but I'd be like, ah, I can't get rid of that one just in case the other one like break. I don't know what my thought process was. Like that's not going to break. It's going to be there all the time. But like, I just didn't want to get rid of it. And then you're just kind of like your inventory becomes swapped very quickly. And then you're like deciding, okay, I have all these weapons I got at a similar time and they're all equally good. And now I have to like make a kind of arbitrary decision that I'm going to think about for way too long. And like, and you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We have no idea what project Madden is going to look like in that regard, but looter shooters imply the existence of loot that you're going to have to root through and determine, you know, what you actually want. And like, some people love that. And there, there was definitely a time of playing Destiny where I got a lot out of that process. But it's, again, that's part of the grinding. And like grinding is not a positive word for me. And I'm also more of a single player kind of guy. And like, again, I, I think I agree with you, Tactic. I don't think this genre lends to that too much. So it's a wait and see. Like, I'm not, I'm not closing the door on it. But that's kind of the it's thing. Like, if you, if you wait too long, that's the other difficult part with these multiplayer you games. You miss the player base. Yeah, you yeah. miss the player base. And then that's also tough because that's the other thing like if i had bought the division this past weekend like it would have just been me like who's even still playing the division probably is they is that even still going on like did they yeah sh- they shut the game down no there like, there were still people playing because like i said tactic and i we have the division and the division two and we had started playing the division like years ago when it first came out and then put it down and we never finished the story and we were like, oh, we're going to pick it up again when lockdown first started like a year and a half ago. We we're like, oh, this I is a great time to revisit this. And it was a terrible time because it just got too right. real at the time. But there were still people kicking around it for sure. I love the idea of The Division so much. Like just the idea of it was almost enough for me to just like, I'll buy it. And I know it's grindy, but like, I just love the, I- I love the premise. I love the idea of what the game is. I think it's just, it's a great idea. And maybe I will eventually get it and play it, but it didn't happen this time. I don't know. We're, 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 we're straying from Project Magnum. I mean, what is this a wait and see for you guys? Is this a, how do I buy it? There's no release date yet. There's nothing specific, but. So it's on PlayStation. You have the option. And my stance mm-hmm. is if I can get a squad that all have PlayStations, I will buy it. Wink, wink. You Not fucking me, people. <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm, I'm working on it. Okay. That's all. That's all I'm prepared to say at this point. Uh, in the public eye of the podcast it's a thing that's going on in my in my head at least so wait and see is what it is what it sounds like from all of us uh but again let us know on twitter at ow at ow tactic at ow nerd bomber our main show account at online warriors one project magnum besides having the coolest name is it also going to be the coolest game that's there's some there's some turn of phrase for you so right now, we are going to uh, head into our break. But before we do, we would be remiss if we did not shout out our fantastic Patreon producer, Mr. Stephen Keller. Stephen, thank you so much for continuing to support the show. Thanks for coming on the show with us a couple weeks back. Uh, that, was a, that was a blast. We heard about your experience with Shania Twain, which I'm still recovering from. Uh, that was kind of mind-blowing. But uh, I just got sidetracked by Shania Twain. Uh, Stephen supports us on the podcast uh, by supporting us on Patreon at the night level, which is the highest of our levels, our three levels of support. And as a result, he gets this producer shout out in every episode. He gets input into the weekly game segment. He gets the occasional guest spot, which I mentioned. And he also gets uh, access, of course, to the monthly secret segment and vlog. Uh, We just recorded a secret segment uh, recently uh, where we looked at uh, not AMA. Oh, am I the asshole on Reddit? That was fun. 
you can also support us at the Squire level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment and vlog. And there's also a page level, which gets you access to the monthly secret segment. For more of the details on all of those levels of support, you can head over to patreon.com slash online warriors podcast. We would love it if you gave back to the show. If you listened and if you listened for a long time, uh, you can help us keep the lights on and get some more content in the process, just like Steven does. So thanks again to Steven. Uh, check out Patreon for more details and we'll be right back to talk about my son. Today's episode is presented by Misen. Virtually every chef agrees that a sharp, well-balanced chef's knife is the essential workhorse for any kitchen. A great knife should feel good in your hand, stay sharp, and hold up over time to the rigors of your kitchen. Simple, right? But behind these deceptively simple concepts are centuries of tradition, technology, design, and craft. Misen spent four years developing the perfect knife because every little detail matters. Misen went through 37 different prototypes until they knew they had the perfect knife. The final result? A knife that's a pleasure to hold, sharp enough to plow through even the toughest foods, and a blade that stays sharper, longer. The best part is by partnering closely with their factories and selling directly online, Misen is able to offer incredible cookware at wholesale pricing. Go to the link in our show notes to get your Misen knife today. Misen, the perfect knife at an unreal price. Okay, my son is a movie. First of all, it's a movie. Uh, it's not again we're not talking about my son i don't have a son that's not a thing don't get excited i don't know if you would get excited uh this is a movie that uh stars james mcavoy forthcoming movie uh a remake of a french movie actually that came out in 2017 Uh, a father whose seven-year-old son goes missing from a campsite in an apparent kidnapping uh there's there's more to it than that but that's the base plot the interesting thing here and kind of the seed for discussion mcavoy apparently according to the trailer and the article i have in front of me did not get a script there are other people involved in the movie it's not a one-man show claire foy stars as the female lead it seems like james mcavoy is the only one who didn't get a script uh, which you know raises a lot of questions it's a very cool idea um you know one thing the trailer says the actor and the audience kind of it's a mystery right so the actor and the audience are experiencing experiencing it and seeing it unfold at the same time uh which is a really cool idea but i have a lot of practical questions (laughs) about that i think james mcavoy is a phenomenal actor if you haven't seen split like pause the podcast have you guys seen split you two no okay pause the podcast and go (laughs) i'm just kidding you can't pause i'd be sitting here for an hour and a half guys wouldn't make any sense uh split's an night Shyamalan movie where james mcavoy plays uh like 14 personalities in one body you don't okay you definitely don't i didn't i saw split first see i think Uh, that's what put us off of watching it we had heard really good things about it but wasn't it like part of a trilogy it was the third movie and you had to watch the first two or something or i heard you had to watch the first so just like i no not doing that split is almost wholly self-contained with one exception the only exception is at the very end spoiler alert uh in like it's literally the post credit scene i believe bruce really shows up and says one line and he shows up as his character from unbreakable and then the third movie which is glass delves into that connection but it's a connection you don't know about or care about until the credits have split and otherwise splits just kind of a self-contained psychological thriller slash horror movie and he plays one man but he has like it's like 14 different personalities or something i don't remember the exact number but it's like split personalities why i call it split and it's phenomenal acting like it's unbelievable and also he carries it forward into glass and he's equally phenomenal he's a great actor so okay i have some questions about the format of this but off the top you know is this let's call it what it is a gimmick i was just is this going gimmick to say enough that. yeah is this gimmick enough to get you in the theater for what ultimately looks like a fairly cut and dry uh you know crime thriller movie so i think independent of them giving him a script he was going to have to portray which we know he's good at some sort of emotion as he discovers what happened to his son and and either way you wouldn't know whether or not he he was given the script so really that whole tidbit of information becomes just this gimmick because at the end of the day when when you watch the scenes of like this is what you do for a living there's no way those type of things he could have been 
not privy to. They they had to give him some kind of a plot of of hey, this is what you do, do 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 do. do. Yeah, like well, my, character my, background. My, like this is your character before you go into this movie. Otherwise, he could have just been like, well, I guess I'm an ice cream man on the side. The and best then, example. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get your point. I I think there's a lot you could do without telling him where it's going to go, and I I do think there's definite value to you know you can be an amazing actor but still the most genuine reaction you're going to get to a plot point is if the actor doesn't know it's 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 why you know wasn't didn't mark hamill not know almost positive mark hamill did not know that darth vader was his actual father like it was like a it was like like three people knew it or something like you're not going to get a good genuine you're not going to get a more genuine reaction than if the actor doesn't know but I completely agree. There are certain practical points. I mean, you can give a character a backstory and not let him know where he's where he needs to go in a given scene. But like in the trailer, they show him punching a guy. Yeah, no. how does that work? Because you'd need to have a stuntman. You have to go into that scene being like, "Okay, James, we know you have no idea what's going on." But in this scene at some point, and you'll it'll become clear when we need you to punch a guy. Like it no, there's just no way. Like there's there's certain logistics because the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, and I hope this isn't like blowing back the Hollywood curtain on anyone, but like almost every movie, like it's very rare for a movie to be shot in sequence, meaning that, you know, actors film the end and like, as, like on day two of filming. And like, unless the production of this movie was so in keeping with the gimmick that they shot it sequentially, which I doubt, then the ruse is gone because then he might've filmed the end on day two and the rest of it on, you know, subsequent days and then you don't get that revelation that you know he's seeing things at the same time that you are for this sort of thing though i feel like you'd have to commit to doing it sequentially because like you said you're you're never going to get them genuine reactions if you're skipping back and forth plus i don't know like if you don't have a script and you don't have a guideline even the best actor i don't care how good of a memory you have if you're skipping back and forth you won't remember what your character knows or doesn't know. So then if you don't have a script telling you like, you don't know this yet, don't, you don't know who your son's kidnapper or murderer is. And then you like spill the beans early because you jumped ahead late. Like, you know, I don't know. At, that couldn't work. At the end of the day, he's an actor and no one's going to know if the, the reaction is genuine. Cause I, let me, probably not. Let me put something yeah. out there for you guys. This is all assuming the entire movie was done in one take. I don't necessarily think also it has true. to be done in one take. Well, to say all of the that. reactions are genuine and real, that would imply that all that that every single one of his reaction was the one and only take that oh, didn't yeah. have to repeat it. That's fair. Well, and the you know the other and we're just poking holes in this now pretty mercilessly, but let's keep going. Like the whole premise of this movie is it's a mystery, right? Where he's trying to find his son and trying to piece together what happened to his son, right? What if he doesn't? Like, as the actor, well, what if he I was gonna does say, not? I was going to say, what if he figures it out in, like, the second scene? Then the movie's over. Then you've ruined everything. When so he like, finds there, out, he, he just hardcore eye rolls, like, yeah, I know. <laughs> there's got to, yeah, there's got to be a certain bounding box that he was, like, okay, you can say he didn't have a script. That's fine. But, like, I don't know. There's got to be some kind of bounding box. Like, there there are a lot of movies. Like, for example, I'm I'm almost... I'm like 99% sure, almost positive that Mission Impossible 7, no, Mission Impossible 6, sorry, Fallout, which by the way is an amazing movie, was like the script was like basically being written as they shot it. They they designed the shooting schedule of the movie and the plot of the movie primarily around locations. They sent out location scouts to find certain places that would look great on film and great for certain stunts. And they designed set pieces around those locations and then they designed script and plot around the set pieces so there are definitely ways to you know make a movie without having a script going in and there are certainly ways on an acting level for an actor to you know how many great comedy actors you know have improvised famous scenes in movies like improvisation happens all the time this is taking that concept and trying to supercharge it more than i think needs to be done like there's probably a middle ground somewhere between having a rigid script and not that is like quote-unquote optimal in terms of like audience immersion and getting the most artistic yet genuine product this ain't it is my guess but i don't know that's you know it's i think there's a lot of technical ways you could accomplish what they're doing without not giving james mcavoy a script 
I think you know. this movie should be able to stand on its own, and that tidbit of information should have been something that kind of came out after the fact. Like, right. like one of those, oh, did you guys know? And you go, oh, wow, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Well, this is a straight-to-streaming yeah. movie, right? This is premiering on Paramount+, Plus, if I'm not mistaken. Peacock. So, Peacock. Peacock. One of the piece. Next week, services. by the way. Yeah. A week I, from today. I feel like... Super soon. When you're in the streaming game, for the most part, you're investing in these original ideas and you want people to know this is a unique original idea. You need to come to my service and see this movie. Yeah. And if I watched the trailer without the knowledge that it was scriptless... I mean, it just seemed like a generic crime drama. You know, it looked like... Yeah. Taken. Kind of like Bandersnatch. Yeah. like uh, So I think they needed to use this. They needed to kind of spin it with the gimmick. I am kind of interested to see how it turns out because like, I don't know, you don't give me a script for something and I can't guarantee good content. Like even on this podcast, we don't script anything. The the entire podcast is scripted. (laughs) But we always guarantee good content. But like, yeah. there, there are weeks, and I think we all kind of trade off. There are weeks when some of us are on, some of us are off, but the fact that there's three of us makes it so that it always has good conversational flow. I couldn't imagine or, leading an hour and a half, maybe two hour movie. Like, what if you just weren't feeling it? What if the actor didn't work out? Like, what do you do then? You've already paid James McAvoy. Well, what if he just doesn't work out? And he has no accountability. Like, he, he could literally go on to a scene... And they'd be like, all right, action. He'd be like, I am a serpent king. <laughs> and like, they'd be like, they, can they even cut? Because like you said, it has to be one take. Or, or if they cut, they'd be like, no, James, you like, you can't be a serpent king. Like, what do they say to him at that point? You know? Well, it's like, not even sorry, like, we, maybe he wouldn't be so outlandish because you're still an actor. You still have to like have a good reputation in the industry right but still what if you go in a direction that the directors and producers just don't jive with what do you do then you know what i mean like how do you salvage that so i'm curious to see how it's going to turn out but like it's kind of true of all movies i mean i i I agree with your like i think the fact that it's direct to streaming and I, i i mentioned bandersnatch before like bandersnatch the whole it wasn't the whole gimmick was it's a choose your own adventure which granted is a much more powerful gimmick than this one but like Streaming services, you need to get a little gimmick. It's They're so inundated with content, right? There's so much content to stream. You need something grabby to put to put asses in the seats. And I don't know. Like, if this was a, a, a theater movie, I agree with you, Tactic. I think it would be more of a thing that, like, it might deserve mention at press junkets or, like, in IMDb trivia or, like, after the fact. But, like, headlining the trailer with it is, like it gives you this overwhelming sense of like, okay, this movie is uninteresting other than the fact that James McAvoy did not get a script. And the average viewer, because James McAvoy is a great actor, isn't going to pick up on that. Like if anything, what you should do is you should get me to be in a movie where I don't have the script because then my reactions, you would know whether my reactions were genuine or not. You could fact check that. You could say, well, does he actually have a script? Because like he's actually being surprised by things and we know he's a bad actor because he sucks. So this is good. They're actually like, you could you could verify that I actually had no idea what was going on. I'm picturing and you in the background with like like watching things happen just with a shocked face at random points. Like, oh, wow. Kind of like a tourist watching something. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I don't know what, it, I don't know how it would go if I was in it, but like, like you said, James McAvoy is like a professional and everything, but it's just like, it's an interesting concept. Again, I just don't think, I think there's a middle ground. There are some some actors that can't work with some directors or writers because some directors and writers want their scripts to be read verbatim. And there are actors who don't want that and vice versa. So, you know, it had to be a good fit between him and the director. Maybe the director went out and handpicked him for all I know. Uh, but that, you know, interplay between the script and you know, James McAvoy not having it is obviously going to be critical to this holding up. And a week from now, in some sense, we will know. <laughs> so the good news is not very long, not very much lead time on this, but it's also like, I didn't know about this until Nerdbomber told me about it. It's not being shouted from the rooftops. So that's another interesting element. Maybe it could turn into like a sleeper kind of thing, uh, but we'll know when we know, which I know is an unsatisfying conclusion to this topic, but I don't know what more there is to say. I don't know that I'll watch it. Uh, but if I'm bored, which these days when I'm, you know, I haven't started my new job yet, so I have some free time. So maybe it'll happen. 
And you already have the peacock, right? Already have the peacock. Haven't used it in a while. It's just one of those apps. I just like forget about it. Like I basically, it's it, it when I first got it, it was my office, parks and recreation, and Harry Potter machine. And now it's just my office, parks and recreation machine because Harry Potter came to HBO Max. Which, by the way, Harry Potter's on HBO Max now. In case anyone didn't know that, that happened like last week. So we'll see. I might check it out. No guarantees. Are you guys Peacock users, or are you out in the cold on this one? No, I don't want to see anybody's Peacock. Okay, uh-huh. that's. I see what happened there. Let's talk about what we've been up to because I don't want to talk about peacocks anymore. I have I have a, a pretty weighty update, so I'm going to defer and I'm going to punt to Tactic. Tactic, how's it going, man? What are you been? It's up to? going great. The biggest, most exciting thing is I started finally playing Pokemon Sword, and let me tell you, folks, I went with the water type this time. I picked good old Sobble because. He was filled with existential dread, and I just related to that. I said, wow, <laughs> that is me. You're, you don't come across as someone who's filled with existential dread, on the, by the way, at least not on the podcast. So that might have been a surprise to some listeners. I, I emanate positivity and good vibes, but it is... It is beneath the surface. It's Beneath the yeah. surface, correct. So yeah, I'm very excited about it. I'm, I'm two gyms down, just slowly chugging away at it. And my gosh... I have been very far removed from the Pokemans because there is there is some creatures, There's some new that Pokemans I, that I have never seen before. Well, I think there were a bunch of new Pokemon specifically for this generation. Yeah, there's that. There's like variants that I didn't see before, and it's just the typing is throwing me off on some things. It really is. Used to be simple back in my day. Do you find it easier to play? Because I've heard you make comments while you're grumbling on the couch playing this game. Not grumbling, because that indicates negativity, but you like make comments as you play. It's easier to level up your Pokemon because they don't become defiant after you hit a certain level. So you could just basically overpower everything for the gym, independent of types. The strategy requirement is now out the window. It just The only level requirement now that they have is it makes it harder to catch higher level Pokemon because they just won't. But then again, in the old games, you didn't get high-level Pokemon appearing early on in the game. So overall, I'd say it's definitely been made easier between, you know, you having berries to heal your Pokemon's condition that are like super abundant as opposed to having to find the specific potions and things like that. It's just, you kids got it easy back in my day. It was way harder. But, you know, it's still a good time. Still the same formula that works for me, and I'm enjoying it. Good to hear. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm obviously outside of the Pokemon ecosystem, so I have no real take on that, but glad you're having a good time. Enjoy yourself. I will. Nerd Bomber, how's it going? All right. So one quick thing, one not as quick thing. The quick thing is I'm still playing Hades, but I have finally beaten a full run. And then after that, I have subsequently beaten like eight more runs. And I know there's like a, a final kind of story ender if there you hit x amount of runs so i don't want to spoil how many runs it is for anybody who's still playing the game i do know how many it is just from talking to my friends though so i'm creeping up on that there's nothing better nothing more amusing and fun for me than waking up in the morning and seeing that i got a message from nerd bomber at like 12 or 1 in the morning just being like insert x game here is so addicting because I know that she's just gone. And this happened with Hades, I think it was last week. I don't remember. It was one day I woke up in the morning and you just said like, guys, I'm, I think it was like, guys, I'm scared. Like Hades is like, like you were scared. It's there was so definite, you, you were shook. Yeah. Well, it um, got to a point, so, like even when you beat it, even when you complete a run, because there's so much variation between run throughs and primarily there's a lot of dialogue and story and characters to talk to and i think that's the thing that keeps me going is i want to learn the story and so that that just keeps me going and the runs then get easier because you power up and so they only take like half an hour and you're like oh i can just do one more it's fine it's fine and then it's like 2 a.m and you're very tired and it's Um, no longer fine it's still (laughs) fine but like it's not it's not great you know yeah it's a fun game, though. Still recommend it. I think I've talked about it now for like a month. It's so great. Love it. Uh, the movie we watched, though, was Vacation Friends. And this is a new one. This had John Cena um, yeah. on Hulu. 
And it is exactly what you think it is. No more, no less. It is a stupid, funny, kind of drug-fueled buddy comedy that is ridiculous, over-the-top, and honestly, just what the doctor ordered for my weekend. It was kind of refreshing to just have a comedy that you didn't really have to think about. It ended up being like kind of feel good and it was just fun. You know, you didn't really have to think too hard. Most of the comedies that we've been watching lately always kind of have that tinge of like real world drama or sadness. And this one just wasn't. It was just straightforward, entertaining, funny. I liked it more than I expected. I thought it was going to be too slapsticky for me, but I don't know. I thought it was fun. I enjoyed it. Comedies definitely have a penchant. And like even Ted Lasso is guilty of this. I know we've lauded Ted Lasso every single episode for the past however long. It gets real. Like it, it just, it's it's like, you know how funny this is? Well, this character has severe anxiety. Like, oh, yeah. man. <laughs> like, like I, I, I get that people have anxiety. Like I have anxiety, but like I don't, I'm watching this so I don't have anxiety. Like it's pretty right? Hey, I've never related to Ted Lasso more than this past episode, if I'm being honest. This, when, oh, when yeah, he's when he fidgety goes, he's, uh, and and makes jokes because he doesn't want to get real, oh my! God. As someone who who very recently, without getting into details, was in therapy, I went into therapy with a very similar mindset to Ted Lasso, which is like, this is for the birds. It's not for the birds. That's that that that's what I can say now, having gone through it. And and you know, spoiler alert: Ted Lasso experiences, I think, a similar metamorphosis in one episode. But we're getting sidetracked now. But yeah, comedies sometimes comedies should just be like stupid fun hey, this is this is really dumb like i always talk about pineapple express on this show and i'll you know that's like my dumb don't care about anything comedy um i john cena is I, i've said this before i'll say it again he's an underrated comedic actor i think uh so i'm glad to hear he's he's you know still on that ish so to yeah speak. i think this would have done well at the movie theaters because this is one of those movies that was originally slated to be a theatrical release but then because of covid hulu bought it out from I, I think it was 20th century maybe or maybe it was universal i don't know somebody like a big studio funded this movie with the intent for it to go to theaters right and i think it would have done actually pretty well there as like a summer stupid movie so i'm gonna shout out a bunch of stuff it's, it's all gonna be brief because a lot of it the, the theme the overarching theme of all this is blast from the past okay and i have mentioned i've had a lot of free time on my hands some movies that i watched devil all the time not very good way too long very depressing that was like three every, hours right two inch i think two hours 20 minutes or so mm. every character is bad in that movie except for one which doesn't make for a very interesting movie that's all i'll say about it you might like it i don't know robert pattinson was amazing i will say that much great actor it's kind of a shame he did twilight to start because i think people thought he was a joke after that and he's definitely hey, not he didn't do twilight to start he did harry potter to start okay check yeah, yourself yeah. Fair enough. Uh, the Manchurian Candidate. Oh, that's an oldie. 2000, 2004 thriller starring Denzel. We, we were just scrolling one night and we were like, you know what? This sounds interesting. You hadn't seen it before? Dis- I hadn't seen it before. What? Disappointing. Disappointing. I was disappointed in The Manchurian Candidate. Uh, I don't love Jonathan Dem, the director. He's the director who did Silence of the Lambs, if anyone didn't know. Uh, his shooting style is very unsettling to me. And also the ending of Manchurian Candidate was bad. There, everything but the ending was good in terms of like the plot. And the ending was dumb. That's a mini review of that movie. We're watching Clickbait right now, which I recommend. Uh, that's a mini, that's a limited series on Netflix uh, starring a guy who looks like one of the Jonas Brothers, but isn't. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a crime. It's a crime story. That's all. Like a I, cyber I, I'm crime not even gonna, story type deal. What happens is this guy is kidnapped and someone records a video of him on the internet holding signs that say certain things that I won't get into because it's plot points. And they say if this video hits 5 million views, he's going to die. That was the thing already. That was a movie, I'm pretty sure. We watched this movie. Whether it was or not. Tactic, we definitely watched this movie. It had had Bo Murchoff from Awkward. And that's the only reason why we watched that movie, I believe. I'm going to find this. You guys talk talk amongst yourselves all i'm envisioning I'm, I'm, is a bus but instead of you know views it's it's a miles per hour and if and if it hits a certain miles per hour the bus oh is it's not like sp- no it's not like speed it's i guess it is kind of like speed i guess but no it's you should try watching it uh it's very interesting 
I will say we're only like three episodes in, so I don't have the full a full grip on it yet, but it's pretty good. We're watching a stupid reality show that I won't even shout out because it's really dumb. Well, I, actually, I will. You know the show Naked and Afraid? Yep. Naked and in love? Naked and Afraid in love. Yeah, I saw that advertised and I said, this is just terrible. Where have we gone as a society? Uh, I'll tell you where we've gone. Yeah, there is where we've gone. Um, It's, it's, I'll say what Nerdbomber said about vacation friends. It's exactly what you think it's going to be. So if you want that, then go for it. Uh, I want to, I move on because i'm taking up a lot of time yeah i discovered that? the movie it was not the movie with bill murchoff that was a different one this was untraceable with diane lane where ain't never even heard of that one yeah he puts live streams of his crimes and murders and then the more hits the more people die so yeah that was that was a blast from the past 2008 I'm, I'm glad i remembered that the big news here i'm back into the video game world I tantalized Nerd Bomber and Technic last week, asking them for Switch game recommendations. In particular, Switch shooters is what I was looking for, which is a tough thing. They recommended Ghost Runner, which is not a shooter, but I did try it, and it is hard. I tried the demo for it. It was free, and I was like, I can't do it. Uh, so I stopped. Anyways, uh, where I ultimately went, Nerd Bomber made a suggestion to me called Journey to the Savage Planet. Yes. Did you do I it? did not play. Oh. No. Did you do it? <laughs> I did not do it. Um, guys, I went back to the well. I I wanted to go, to go to Switch because I didn't want to have to reset up my PS4. I'm in a moving state, as many people know. But I wanted to shoot stuff. I ultimately reset up my PlayStation 4, went on the PlayStation Store, and bought a little game called Uncharted The Lost Legacy for $10. <laughs> I had not played this yet. I'm a huge Naughty Dog guy. I'm a huge Uncharted guy. I hadn't played it yet. And I this finished it This is the one with the daughters, right? they're not daughters uh they're two women who have been who have both featured in previous games working together it's good it's it's not it's not as good as uncharted it's like it's the campaign runs like seven and a half to eight hours i think i finished it in seven and a half it's like just shy of it's a, it's a little bit bigger than a dlc would be like it's it, it feels like half a game uh which is a little i mean i got it for ten dollars so who cares but um you know it has a lot of the uncharted elements um, but it's missing the plotting that Uncharted has that I really respond to. Uh, a lot of the gameplay is really great. Though. A lot of great puzzle solving, a lot of great climbing, treasure hunting, a lot of great combat, both hand-to-hand and shooting. You get what you're going to expect from Uncharted if you're a fan of the franchise by playing this game. So I can recommend it in that regard. Um, I finished it in, I think, like two or three days. Um, and now what's on deck, I also managed to buy... I, I mentioned last week or the week before we talked about Gamescom, I was so impressed with Vanguard. I was like, you know, gosh darn it. It's time for me to go back to Call of Duty. So I bought a copy of World War II for $15. And I figured that's going to be a good investment. I mean, I want to I play a shooter. I want to go back to the World War II roots of Call of Duty. I figured this is a good way to do it. So I'll update Actually, on that for sure. That was a good one. I liked the heck out of that one. Because that was, I think, the first kind of foray away from the jetpacks yeah. and stuff in a while. And back, I remember... Back to I, World War II. Yeah, I put a lot of time into that game. A lot, a lot of time. Yeah, I don't have plus right now, so I'm really just in it for the campaign. But I think... I expect it to deliver in that regard. We'll see. But um, yeah, that's my update. It took like 10 minutes. I'm sorry, but there's a lot... Look, when, you, when you're in between jobs, the world is your oyster. That's, <laughs> you know... I'll, I'm sure I'll give further updates next week on many other things. But for now... Tactic has a quiz for us, and it's it's a it's a doozy this week. Tactic, take it away. The quiz topic today is Nickelback, the most loved band in the world. Look at this photograph. That checks Every out. Every time I see it, it makes me laugh. So, what the first question is is when was Nickelback formed? Who goes first? You can go first, gentlemen first. Sure, that that makes sense. Okay, Nervar sent me a link to Journey to the Savage Planet on East Shop. It's actually only twelve dollars, so. I watched the trailer. I'm oh, sorry. I'm I'm still back on that. Let's get off that. Let's get to the quiz. When was Nickelback formed? <sighs> this was in the 90s. This was this was 1995. I'm almost certain. You know, I don't have a lot of wiggle room here. I, tactic is gaining ground on me. I'm going to say 1996. So their, their formation was 1995. The band was formed are you, in are the you early kidding 1990s <laughs> as a cover band called Village Idiot by the brothers Mike Ch- and Chad Kroger with their cousin Brandon Kroger on the drums and Ryan Peake. 
So yeah, 1995. You tried. You tried. I mean, get God. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to say. Worldwide. Expert. How many albums has Nickelback sold? I'm going to say eight because that feels right to me. I don't think you understood the question. I'm going to let you re-answer, re-answer if you want. Technically, you mean like how many copies, right? Yeah. Oh. So, more than eight. I was, I was like, oh, you're just I mean, look, relying look, on him to bust? Well, he's just going to pick back, nine. Nickelback is bad, but they're not that bad, okay? <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to reason that. I'll say 88 million. I feel like it's probably I should have I you know after you after your dick move in the first question I should have said nine that would have been really pleasing uh, I said 88 million <sighs> that's too much I'm gonna I'm gonna go with one million just to not bust so illegal gets this one as well it's 50 million albums worldwide it's actually eight <laughs> eight albums come with eight Okay, look at this. Uh, hey, I know, I know my Nickelback. I'm not, I'm not particularly proud to say that, but that's where we're going right now. The lead singer of Nickelback, Chad Kroger, is currently how mm. old? He's older than you think. I, I think he's pretty old. He's 47. Why are you so good at this? I'm going to say he's 50, but I think he's like, I think he is 47. So you both busted. I'll take it. He's 46. Oh, oh God, come on. <laughs> I was so close. Wow. However, I'm proud for being there. The OG drummer, Brandon Kroger, is actually the oldest at 50 years old. Wow. Do I have a shot well, okay. at winning this at all? Yeah, how, how many questions? There's you two have a shot at there. tying it. Okay, I can force the tie. Let's do this. Force, do it. Force the tie. Come on. Look I'm at ready. this photograph. How You Remind Me is their most popular song. You remind me. Where did it peak on both Billboard and Canadian Singles Chart? Do we give you two answers or is it the same answer it's, for both? It, it's coincidentally the same answer. This. That's why it's a fun fact. This can't be. If it was one, it would be too easy. Also, how does this work with busting? Like, yeah, we always mess this up. So tech to clarify it because I don't know either. I guess too high <laughs> up on the billboards. like So basically, which is a low number would be busting. Okay, so the lower you go, the more likely you are to bust. Yes. Okay, I'm going to say this hit number 15. Oh, no way. I think this is one. I'm saying one. It is one. It was a Are you trick kidding question. me? Yeah. Oh, get oh, out of here. Come on, that song, was, that song was so popular. I was like, when he first said it, I was like, how is this not one? That song was, I could, I mean, we all know that song. It was like 20 years ago or whatever. I don't we even might know have to break out the broom. Get out of here. All right, so last get, question, just for fun. Get the broom ready. Do I get the broom if, if we both busted on a question? I feel like that might not. I got rid of the broom. Just if you guys told me to get rid of the Yeah, it wasn't a clean sweep because you both busted on one. All right. right. So how I'll, many nickels I'll take a victory lap. is Nickelback's mm. Chad Kroger worth? Oh, my God. This is a fantastic question. <gasps> this is just artful question design, first of all. I, I really applaud you. We all just want to be big rock stars, living something, 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 driving 15 cars. Still top houses. Girls come easy and the drugs come cheap. We all, taste, we all stay skinny. We all stay skinny. Because we just won't eat. Uh, yeah. I think he's worth 400 million nickels. I have to do some math here. I'm going to guess it took me so long. that he's worth 15 million. Let me figure out nickels? what that, No, 15 million dollars. Oh, okay. How many nickels like, are problem. in a dollar, folks? 20. 20 nickels in a dollar. I don't know why I'm helping you. I guess I already won, so who cares? <laughs> What did you say? I said 400 million. You would want to say 300 million. Yeah. I'm going to go lower. So actually, you know what? I'm going to say one. Maybe you busted. One, one nickel. So Alito gets it. No surprise Come there. on. <laughs> GTFO. So I'm a Nickelback expert. So wow. Nickelback's Chad Kroger's net worth is $60 million dollars. Which Wait, amounts so to 1.2 billion nickels. Okay, this hold is on. How you Illegal. remind me of what I really am. How many times have you won in a row now? Because I feel like it's a lot, and someone has to take you down. Look, look, I'm very good at this. I, I, I you know, I don't think we knew before. We well, were folks, Illegal's also Nickelback's number one fan. Hey, you, you know what? You are damn right. I'm 14 and two. I've lost two times this year. That's crazy. First of all, let's. It, the year's almost over. We're like entering the last quarter of the year, basically. I'm convinced you cheat somehow. 
very proud of myself. I am not cheating. Uh, th- admittedly, there's no way to verify that, but I'm not cheating. Nerd Bomber, you are at nine and eight. Tactic, seven and nine. And uh, our previous past producer, Ben Checkness, at one and oh. Congrats, Ben. Yeah, I mean, Nerd Bomber, you're in trouble here. It, second place battle's getting real. I mean, I'm feeling pretty confident that I'm going to be able to hold on to first place and, you know, earn whatever the prize is. I don't think there is a prize. I think there's a booby prize. I think we determined it's just whoever loses something bad happens to, to do something. No, they're kicked off the show. This, wow. Three's, three's a crowd. I'm just kidding. That would never happen. If anything, we'll add somebody, but that's also probably not going to happen. Anyways, uh, I know a lot about Nickelback. That's the moral of the story here. If there's one thing you can take away from the podcast today, it's that I know a lot about Nickelback and their frontman, Chad Kroger. And uh, I'm proud of that. So we thank you for listening. Uh, Twitter handles previously mentioned multiple times in the episode. If you want to go hit us up and talk about anything we mentioned today uh, or anything else at all. Maybe you want to talk about Nickelback. Who knows? If you liked what you listened to, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can uh, hit us up on Patreon. I already mentioned that info earlier if you want to get back to the show. You can also, you know, get out there and tell who can you tell your biggest Nickelback fan? Yeah. Everyone has a huge Nickelback fan in their lives. That's a really good. That's a really good one. Nerd Bomber. Go find that person that listens to Nickelback and you've never been able to understand it and tell them, hey, there was a podcast this week that had a segment about Nickelback that you would love and you should listen to the rest, too. And that is how you remind me. Right. Of what I really am. You all remind us of what we really are and we and we thank you for that and we'll we'll see you next week.